Welcome to the In Common Podcast. This is Hatley Post. This insight episode comes from full episode 62 with Henrik Osterblum. Henrik is the science director of the Stockholm Resilience Center and a professor at the University of Stockholm in Sweden. Henrik talks with Stefan and Michael about his piece in One Earth, Unsustainable Science, which thinks about the idea that being busy is equivalent to doing well. The three look at the pressure produced by the treadmill of papers and funding in academia and discuss how more productive and sustainable solutions can be created through slowing down and talking with one another rather than competing for the same end goals. This is the In Common Podcast. That's probably a good transition into talking about this commentary piece that you wrote together with a colleague in One Earth. The title was Unsustainable Science. And I believe it came out the end of 2019 or so. I, I stumbled across it a little bit later, but <laughs> I think the beginning of it was was talking about, you know, what's the state of the the science, the science system for most colleagues. And and one of the first lines was good but busy. And it would be great to hear your reflections on on that. It's a bit of a it's a hooky title, un, un, unsustainable science, and talking about how you and the Stockholm Resilience Center folks have, have kind of developed this system of, of seems to be fairly fruitful collaboration over time. What have your f- reflections been on looking outwards? I assume it's more of looking out towards the other parts of the science system, which maybe aren't functioning as well. Uh, so it'd be good to to hear a little bit more of what the motivations were behind writing this. Yeah, well, th- this paper was, uh, the basic idea came from my colleague, Eivind, uh, from the Bjerknes Center in, in Bergen, another sort of transdisciplinary center focusing on on climate change. But the data collection for this paper was basically me walking around over a couple of years asking people how they were doing. And good but busy was the answer I got from everyone. So I was trying to figure out what what does it actually mean that you're good but busy? Is Is it that you're busy because, are you good because you're busy? Or are you too busy to actually be good? So I was trying to think what that sort of symbolized it. And uh, the paper goes on talking about the fact that, I mean, of course, we're incredibly privileged to have university jobs and be able to work across disciplines and learn new stuff every day. But there still seems to be a feeling of, uh, you know, always being one step behind and always having too many things to do and always having to uh, prove yourself and publish papers and get cited and get grants and always sort of running in order to say, stay in the same place. So the point we're trying to make in this paper is that perhaps that makes us all in science increasingly similar to each other and increasingly unable to do anything innovative because we're all sort of playing by the same rules. We're all trying to achieve the same goals and we're all sort of competing uh, for attention and grants and, and uh, publications where when there's actually so much we could do if we just spend more time thinking, more time talking, more time collaborating in science, but also doing this with different actors in society, with, with governments, with civil society organizations, with private corporations, and really finding the, the time and the space to uh, focus in on uh, you know one place or one project or one change process that necessarily doesn't generate any papers or any funds or whatsoever. So we're trying to think of what's the opportunity to create that space to think. And uh, 
yeah, I think Stockholm Resilience Center has created a little bit of a bubble to think, but uh, but there, we're still also very much driven by you know soft money getting funding, publishing paper, uh, being uh, you know communicating and and being out there to keep that shiny castle in the hill uh, position that we mentioned before. So we're absolutely not free from it. Uh, but uh, we make a couple of references to places and projects uh, in the past and currently that we think are starting to look for different models. And one is the Cyrus Institute uh, in Uruguay, which is basically a place where scientists from different disciplines and artists uh, uh, sit around and uh, try to learn from each other and understand each other and think about ways in which uh, we can engage in sustainability locally in Uruguay, regionally in Latin America and globally. And that to me personally has been one of the most exciting places to go just because there's actually people who only think for an entire week and there's never any demand for any product whatsoever. Although we, we publish papers and things like that, but it's really super stimulating for me to talk to a, a Chilean sculpture or painter um, uh, because they, also study interesting objects. They also try to understand the way the world works, but they have completely different frames of references and, and methods and uh, ways of, of seeing and interpreting the world. So I think that's that's been really rewarding for me. And also Stockholm University has recently opened up an, an arts center or an exhibition hall actually called Accelerator, which is an old physics neutron accelerator actually, but it's an, it's an art exhibition hall where they use uh, art as a way to stimulate reflection on science uh, with scientists. So it, again, a new way of thinking about your science and, and what you're doing. Try to sort of put yourself way above and beyond your immediate deadline and grant and abstract that you're immediately writing and try to think a bit bigger and deeper about the more important things. So the point we're trying to make is that these arenas can definitely help science innovate and it can help scientists be more actively engaged in the sustainability challenges. And we need to figure out uh, how these arenas can be uh, maintained and developed and accelerated. So those places are both where scientists and artists meet. And, and I know that's something that a lot of people are looking at and trying to achieve in different places. But yeah, it's, it was a think piece to see, is there any way we can you know, press the pause button or think a little bit more deeply about what we're doing and if we're doing it in the right way. And I think it also comes back to the, the growth argument that we had before, how much should we grow and how much should we continue publishing papers that few people write and, and what is the role of science in society basically, but yeah. Lots of, lots of sort of uh, thinking in different directions, but a fun paper to write and, and really triggered some interesting thoughts from um, uh, in that conversation of writing the paper, but also with lots of colleagues who it seems felt that this, uh, this struck a chord. A lot of people giving lots of feedback on that paper saying that this, is, this was a nice thing to write. It was a bit different, a uh, read, and it was a bit different, but also, yeah. It resonated with some people, which was which is always nice. Thanks for writing this, Henrik. I really loved it. I remember tweeting it out when I first saw it. It really resonated <laughs> with me for sure. Um, I had a couple of follow-up questions for you about the paper. Um, 
one is, I mean, does it make sense to view this as a collective action problem among scientists? I mean, you kind of alluded to it, right? Um, so to cooperate is to kind of slow down and try to do, um, try to engage more in activities that in the long run will lead to better science shared among yep. a broader set of people. And to defect is to keep going and accelerating. And I love the reference to like Richard Scarry's busy town to just get busier <laughs> and busier. And it's kind of, as you yeah. said, right? Like what's to stop some other, some other center from saying, oh, well, those folks are slowing down. This is our time to step in and gobble up the prestige for ourselves. Um, just framing this kind of slowing down versus speeding up as a collective action problem among scientists makes sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a big investment to slow down, but that means that you're giving somebody else the space, but that's what you're supposed to do when you're, I guess when you're, that's what my sister tells me, when you're in a position of power, move away, you know, give somebody else that space. Um, but it's, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's a different way. You have to find different ways of, of working during different parts of your career, of course, and at different yeah. stages of, of centers and uh, different stages of groups. But I don't think we should be too afraid of letting go of, you know, this constant rush of, of uh, being, you know, the most cited, tweeted, whatever. I mean, we're being, uh, <laughs> we're being trained to be most visible all the time. And that's sort of also part of this growth paradigm that we talked about, but- uh, I totally yeah, agree. Some, there's something fundamentally flawed with that perception. And, and by slowing down and thinking more deeply, collaborating more thoroughly, I think we could be much more fulfilled and actually achieve a lot more. Although perhaps the, the return on that investment, if you want to use that kind of language, is probably a decade away rather than, you know, you know right. immediate uh, excitement about somebody, you know, like your paper 50 times uh, tomorrow. You know? There's a, yeah, there's, a there's, there's not as a quick a dopamine hit or whatever the neurotransmitter is. I don't, I mean, I love this advice that your sister gave you. I mean, yeah, it feels like once you've won a game enough, maybe you can stop worrying about continuing to win the game and start playing yeah. a different game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm currently reading a book called The Innovator's Delusion by uh, Lee Vinsel and Andrew Russell. And they make some similar arguments that, you know, a lot of the, the in, innovation is much more visible, but ultimately systems and social systems require a lot of maintenance, which is much less visible to maintain themselves. Right. And so educating the next generation is more about maintenance from a certain perspective. You're not going to get big new science paper by dedicating more time to mentoring a broad, diverse set of people. But ultimately, yeah. the broader system benefits from that. Thanks for tuning in. The In Common podcast is a partner project of the International Association for the Study of the Commons and the International Journal of the Commons. To explore more episodes of the podcast, as well as our blog, visit our website at www.incommonpodcast.org. Here you will also find a list of the members of our recently expanded team, as well as a link to our Patreon page, where you can make a small donation to help us cover our operating costs. You can also follow us on Twitter at InCommonPod. Thanks again.